0: Welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about
1: bad relationships. My name is Stacy Alicia here, friends, and thanks for joining us today for our tale of marital misadventure with part of this one making its way through the headlines recently. Mm-hmm. Today, it is the Trashy Divorces saga of Corey Feldman, one of the biggest teen stars of the 1980s with two Trashy Divorces and a third one coming just announced in the last few weeks. Before we get into Corey Feldman, we do
0: have this magic mirror with some names and shout-outs to give.
1: Alicia, who do we have in the magic mirror this week? Holy cats. First up, our newest supporters over at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Big love to Tanya A. And big, big love to Jill, our new super supporter. We hope to see you on our Sunday salon tomorrow. But that's not it. There are more names in the magic mirror. Absolutely. We have Virgo birthdays for some trash pandas out here. It is Virgo season once again, and these are our Virgo folks that posted on our Facebook page. Big happy birthday Virgo season two! Elizabeth T, Tara DL, Rebecca P, Kimberly W, Joanna L, and Nicole H., Some of our favorite folks in that list. Mm -hmm. Big love to you Virgos and all y'all Virgos out there. I want to do one quick note here before we get this trashy tale going today. The first half of this episode does delve into Corey Feldman's background, his backstory with allegations of child sexual abuse and also drug misuse and addiction. If you are here for the trashy divorces part, and would just prefer to move ahead through these themes to protect your own trashy heart, you're going to want to skip about halfway through this episode for the marriages and divorces part. I split it in two.
0: Yeah, we're going to put a timestamp in the show notes below. So if you want to just
1: bop on ahead to the further adventures of Corey Feldman, we gotcha. I think that's all the business, Stacy. Without further ado, I think we should. Go, go, go.
0: So, Alicia, you've got an 80s teen star
1: who appeared in all sorts of movies that I adored. One of the biggest teen stars of the 1980s, Corey Feldman, appearing in many of the films that have gone on to be considered classics by those who grew up in the decade. Oh, yeah. What are some of those classics? Gremlins, Hmm. Stand By Me, The Goonies, Hmm. The Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. He also, Corey did, starred in a lot of movies that maybe haven't aged so well, like License to Drive and Dream a Little Dream. He also had all kinds of appearances and countless numbers of photos on magazines like Bop and Tiger Beat. Ah, poster on the wall. He was everywhere. Corey Feldman and his good friend Corey Haim. Yes. Became known as the two Corys, and they were both considered heartthrobs of the decade. But as we've seen before in this trashy journey of ours, being a member of young Hollywood was not so glamorous behind the scenes for the two Corries, Both Corey Haim and Corey Feldman have alleged repeated sexual abuse from members of the Hollywood elite and both fell into deep drug addiction. In his book, 2013 memoir, Choreography, mm. uh-huh, Corey Feldman writes, the number one problem in Hollywood was and is and always will be pedophilia. Hmm. Well, you hate to hear that. I mean, I can't say I disagree. I think there's some real truth in that sentiment as we've seen over the decades with the abuse of young folks, both boys and girls. Corey Feldman, for his part, does eventually get clean. He has at times seemed like a child actor who survived Hollywood and come out on the other side. Some other times Corey appears to be deeply troubled and perhaps engages in behavior that is hard to understand. His life has been a roller coaster ride of extreme highs and lows, including drama, sadness, fame, loss, and scandal, and everything in between. Along the way, Corey Feldman has been married three times. He has recently revealed that his third marriage is now ending in divorce like his previous two marriages did. It happens. Let's go ahead and begin with Corey's early life. Corey Feldman was born July 16, 1971, falling under the astrological sign of cancer. And it is, God bless him, fair to say Corey Feldman had a difficult childhood when he was promoting his autobiography, Choreography. I I had to get that later Mm. because it's choreography. So I was like, okay, I guess that's a great name for your memoir. But it's the pun. (laughs) Corey, Corey Feldman. Choreography. Choreography. Yeah. So in Choreography, while promoting that book, Corey Feldman tells Piers Morgan, My story in and of itself was very tragic. I did have a very, very rough upbringing. I endured a lot of pain in my childhood. I didn't choose this life. It was chosen for me. Let's unpack that a little. Okay. Corey has frequently described his parents as both abusive and neglectful. So, real double dip of parental terrible there. Excellent combo, yeah. Corey's mom was a former Playboy bunny, at one of the Playboy clubs, and Corey's father was a struggling musician. Again, in a tale as old as Hollywood, Corey's parents force Corey into acting by the age of three to pay the bills. He becomes the family's breadwinner. That's such a terrible place to be. Unhelpfully, at about the same time, Corey's mother also develops a pretty intensive drug habit that her son's Winning of the bread, per se, will finance. That's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Corey Feldman tells people, at three years old, kids don't really find their way into anything or make any type of decisions. At three years old, it's called child slavery, and that's what I endured, child slavery. So I was a slave child who got very fortunate in his early career, or I guess my parents got very fortunate, I should say. mm Corey will continue on saying he was beaten with belts and wooden dowels if he did not perform well in school. Because if he wasn't getting good grades, he couldn't get a work permit to continue acting. Which, of course, his parents expect him to financially support the family. Well, this is horrible. Corey has also said that he would be beaten if he ate too much or gained weight or if he didn't book a job he auditioned for, or if he caused any kind of problem on the set. This is bleak. And it is, that, that really childhood slavery sounds about right. It's very bleak. And again, his marriages and divorces kind of at the end of this, but I think unpacking his backstory makes mm-hmm. all of that perhaps make a little bit more sense. When Corey's not working, if you can imagine, like, pretty terrible when he's not working unsurprisingly Corey has a hard time fitting in at school or making friends with other kids he's looked at as an outsider but he is also working enough that he's unable to bond with his classmates because he's not in school that much right oh we haven't seen you what's that kid's name again Mm -hmm.
0: oh that's the movie star yeah he's been on a set for two weeks yeah
1: Corey also claims that he was suffering sexual abuse on the sets of those films as well. So, it's not long before Corey Feldman is doing drugs to escape from the pain and pressure of his life. He eventually fights for and was granted emancipation from his parents at the age of 15. He does this on the grounds of abuse and claims that his parents have stolen over $1 million from him. Drew Barrymore, who's going to be coming back around, emancipated herself early like that as well. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some of these sexual abuse allegations. In his adult life, Corey Feldman truly has become an advocate for victims of sexual abuse. He has fought to abolish the statute of limitations for these crimes this is a personal issue to him because of the abuse throughout his career and as a young actor in Hollywood. Corey Feldman officially filed claims in 2017, but the Los Angeles Police Department dropped that case due to the statute of limitations. Corey does write candidly in his memoir about the abuse that he and Corey Haim both suffered. Prior to the book, Feldman gives an interview in 2011 where he said that pedophilia in Hollywood was rampant. He wrote in great detail about their sexual abuse. Feldman revealed that one of Hame's rapists was Charlie Sheen, and this allegedly happened while filming the 1986 movie Lucas. Feldman didn't name many of the other alleged perpetrators in the book, but he would later in a documentary. For the record, previous Trashy Divorces alum, Charlie Sheen, categorically denied ever engaging in improper behavior toward Corey Haim. Sheen released a statement that included, quote, "...the sick, twisted, and outlandish allegations never occurred, period." I would urge everyone to consider the source and read what his mother, Judy Haim, has to say, <sighs> This is really, truly terrible. Corey Haim's mother, Judy Haim, refutes all of Corey Feldman's claims. Judy Haim insists that her son was never abused by Charlie Sheen, going on the Dr. Oz show in 2017, saying that she hadn't, quote, seen one single change in character, unquote in her son, Corey Haim, after he filmed Lucas. She will continue on, saying, I would have known if anything was wrong. My kid hid nothing. He was, like, transparent. He never hid anything. He was Corey. It's out of character. That's number one. When my son was 13, he's not going to go and ask Charlie Sheen to go and sleep with him. Unquote.
0: Yeah, I feel like that misunderstands Some things, but.
1: Like when we talk about Imago, I am AGO, and that you're working out in your current relationship things that have come before. I don't know how much uh, Judy Hame helped in Corey Hame's early childhood, if that's her sentiment. Judy Hame will go on. Uh, She's not done. She'll call Corey Feldman a scam artist, referring to his fundraising campaign to make $10 million to make the documentary that he wanted to make, she says. Judy does. He's been talking about revealing the names of his and other abusers for seven years since my son died. Now he wants 10 million to do it. Come on, it's a long con. He's a scam artist. If he was serious about this, he'd share the information he has with the police. Corey Feldman, After Judy Hayne makes this statement, we'll tweet, this is October 28th, 2017, from at Corey underscore Feldman. This isn't all caps, and there's some definite not actually spelling of the words here, but I'm going to do the best I can. Understood. Twitter classics. You guys, no, I don't ever say anything bad about anyone, Mm. but Judy Hayne is a bad woman who vehemently protects evil. She has been creating distractions and diversions since her son's death to shun away the feelings of true guilt she must bear. Hashtag blasphemy. But you will see the dark souls clamoring to silence and discredit me. Only God can show you in your hearts what the truth is, not about money never was. This is just a...
0: Super sad situation. I mean, grieving mom, angry adult. I oof, just, that's. It's a lot. Yeah, that. I would say in general, feuding with the mother of your deceased friend is, is a bad look. But in this case, maybe it's not. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of a lot of
1: complication here. In 2020, Corey Feldman will release that documentary called My Truth, The Rape of Two Corey's. In the film, he does give the names of the men he accused of sexually abusing him and Corey Haim. It was rejected by traditional theaters, so he released the documentary in a pay-per-view manner on a live stream through a website that he created. The tickets were $20. Corey Feldman also had a live viewing of the movie with a group of friends and many members of the media in attendance. Some of the people attending... That premiere, Rosanna Arquette, Dave Navarro, Chris Kattan, Ron Jeremy, and Jamie Kennedy.
0: It's quite the list there. Ron Jeremy, the hedgehog, the porn star? Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: So the film's release was planned to commemorate the 10th anniversary of Corey Haim's death. Corey Haim died of pneumonia in 2010 at the age of 38. He had gone to rehab 15 times mm. in his short life. And at the time, Corey Haim's body was so weakened from his drug abuse that he was not able to survive pneumonia. And that is a lot to unpack already. We're talking some big themes here. Again, I think Corey Feldman's backstory will become influential in future years. We have child sexual abuse, pedophilia, a mom who is a playboy bunny, now's a perfect time to take a quick break, and we're going to come back for the Michael Jackson part of Corey Feldman's backstory. Oh, this is not going to get better, is it? We'll
0: see you on the flip. Hey, Trash Pandas, when you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and, I don't know, exposing official corruption? Virginia, it's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
1: Okay, let's
0: let's continue plotting through this super tragic story, actually. We've got
1: one more section here. That we're going to get through before we get to marriages and divorces. But again, I think there's something to unpack in the story and the choreography of mm. Feldman. So Corey Feldman will meet Michael Jackson when Michael Jackson comes to visit the set of The Goonies. I mean, maybe the best movie ever. I love it. I always will. But I mean, this parade of apparently unsafe
0: adults who are th- this child is being exposed to, it's, it's unfortunate.
1: Corey Feldman... Being the young kid that he is, it's Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. he is entranced by the star. And the two quickly, I mean, I'm going to say become good friends, but this is a child and an adult, right. so quickly establish a, a relationship. Right, they bond, unfortunately. Well, Corey Feldman still holds strongly to the position that Michael Jackson never made any sexual overtures okay, well, toward him. That's great news. Corey Feldman says that there were actually at many points in which Michael Jackson's friendship was an integral part of his mental health and stability. Which, right, unpacking Michael Jackson and his, uh... Sure. The odd life of
0: Michael Jackson. Well, and
1: what was happening in his brain, right? I... Anyway, Corey Feldman loves Michael Jackson loves Michael Jackson so much that Corey Feldman adopts Michael Jackson's look. He dresses like him. He idolizes Michael Jackson. He wants to be like him. And this imitation of Michael Jackson for Corey Feldman wasn't just during their friendship. When Michael Jackson died, Corey Feldman showed up dressed like Michael Jackson at Michael Jackson's funeral. Corey Feldman has continued his look, his brand to be very Michael Jackson-esque throughout his life. He's also done a lot of performances that are impersonations of Michael Jackson, singing and dancing. So something crucial there formed in the childhood brain, but Michael Jackson is Corey Feldman's dude. I mean, hey, if he was ironically
0: a safe adult... For a kid who was dealing with what sounds like
1: significant trauma, I get it. So during the late 80s and early 90s, Michael Jackson and Corey Feldman would often be seen hanging out together. Corey said they all went to a lot of places in disguise where Michael Jackson would wear a fake nose and sunglasses and a giant Afro. Feldman writes about their friendship. He was adamantly against drugs and alcohol. He was extremely straight-laced. I couldn't even swear around him. Being with Michael brought me back to my innocence. Hmm. When Corey Feldman, though, started to get in some legal trouble and his struggles with addiction were made public, Michael Jackson distanced himself from Corey. Corey writes in his book that when he first heard that Jackson had been accused of child molestation, he, quote, almost laughed. It seemed so ridiculous. Unquote. The LAPD interviewed Corey Feldman about the nature of his relationship with Michael Jackson. When he spoke with the LAPD, Feldman was forthcoming about his sexual abuse from people other than Michael Jackson, but the LAPD didn't seem to care. Corey Feldman says, I clearly stated that Michael never touched me, never acted in any way inappropriate." What's incredible about them, however, is that I admitted I had been molested. I even named my abuser. The sergeant started peppering me with questions. Deborah Linden breezed right past that. She didn't seem the least bit interested. Corey Feldman was a vocal and staunch defender of Michael Jackson's innocence. Even after Leaving Neverland was released, he stood firm in his defense of Michael Jackson claiming the documentary was quote-unquote one-sided. However, since that time, Corey Feldman has said he can no longer defend Michael Jackson. Feldman goes on CNN to discuss his change of feelings regarding the accusations against his former friend. Corey Feldman said it was a quote-unquote very emotional time for him, as a survivor of abuse, and he was asking the viewers to put themselves in his shoes. Feldman says, You're a kid who's endured sexual abuse, and during those times, I'm looking to somebody like Michael Jackson as a friend, as a big brother figure, and he was that person to me. It comes to a point where as an advocate for victims As an advocate for changing the statutes of limitations to make sure that victims' voices are heard, it becomes impossible for me to remain virtuous and not at least consider what's being said and not listen to what the victims are saying. This is very important. We must give them their voice. We must allow them to speak. And therefore, we also must consider all sides of this even as uncomfortable as that may be. Corey Feldman still says that nothing, absolutely nothing inappropriate happened between him and Michael Jackson, but he's no longer willing to defend Jackson against other people's accusations. Sure. Corey Feldman continues, I cannot in good consciousness defend anyone who's being accused of such horrendous crimes, but at the same time, I'm also not here to judge him because he didn't do those things to me and that was not my experience. So therefore, my place is not to be the judge and not to be the accuser and not to be the defender. My job in this is to focus on what's important, which is helping to reform the statutes of limitations in every state because if we can reform the statutes of limitations, we can prevent things from ever getting to this point. After watching Leaving Neverland, Corey Feldman said he had a lot of soul-searching to do and a lot of self-reflection, he will tell CNN. As I'm watching it, I'm going, this doesn't make sense to me. This isn't the guy that I knew. But look, I'm a guy that at 14 years old was molested, did have a pedophile completely lie to me about who he was. I trusted him. I believed in him as a friend and I thought he was a good person, and then he molested me. It all proves that I'm not the best judge, and that's why I shouldn't be the judge in this situation, especially given the fact that I'm so close to Michael. Corey Feldman ended by apologizing to anyone who was hurt by his previous comments, saying that leaving Neverland was one-sided, quote-unquote, and that he didn't want to question the validity of the victims. At the end of this CNN appearance, Corey Feldman makes a heartfelt plea to protect children, saying, What matters most is that we preserve the innocence of children. The children must come first. And we must do God's work in protecting our children on this planet. It is the most important thing. So, a little bit of a lighter bit of the story, perhaps. Perhaps. Let's Uh, talk about when Corey dated Drew Barrymore.
0: Okay. (laughs) I welcome lighter. That's a lot of heavy stuff.
1: Corey Feldman does date Drew Barrymore when they're both young actors in Hollywood. But years before they actually began dating, they went on what they now call a play date. So 1985, Corey Feldman gets a call from Steven Spielberg's office saying that Drew Barrymore had a crush on him. So after agreeing to go on a date with Drew, Drew's mother calls Corey to arrange the meeting. Drew is 10 years old. Corey's like 12 or 13. So this isn't like a real date. This is a Hollywood Mm -hmm. Shirley Temple and Mickey Rooney let's set kind of thing, right? Yeah. They actually, Drew and Corey, recently reminisced about this play date on Drew Barrymore's talk show. Corey Feldman says... What happened was I got a call one day. My grandmother says we got a call from Steven Spielberg's office and that little girl from E.T. wants to meet you because she's got a crush on you. (laughs) Drew Barrymore says, Oh yeah, I did the biggest, but everyone did. And Feldman says, It was so cute. I remember taking you to the movies. I remember exactly which movie theater it was. We walked across the street and you put your little hand up for me to hold. And I held your hand and we walked across the street. That's very sweet. <laughs> a few years later, Corey Feldman and Drew Barrymore did begin to date for real. They went to the Academy Awards together <laughs> in 1989. He was 17. She was 14. Drew Barrymore says, I remember you were going and so I was lucky enough to be your date. And I just threw on a cotton Betsy Johnson dress off the rack. I don't know how much it cost. Probably $65. $65. I remember getting there, and I remember seeing people in such designer duds. I remember looking around and thinking, oh, I'm very underdressed. I'm wearing a cotton Betsy Johnson dress. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> but she'll go on saying, we were so positive. You and I were such good friends. We had that kind of relationship where they say, date your friend. We were the embodiment of that. You were so kind. You were such a safe place for me. Hmm. Corey Feldman will add that Drew Barrymore was already getting your life together while he was still going through his troubles at the time. He'll say, you got sober first. You got your act together first. It took me a few years after you.
0: Yeah, I was going to say these are both two people with significant histories of addiction and family struggles and child. I mean, it's
1: you can really Mm -hmm. see how they would have bonded at an early age. So let's get through this last section about Corey's backstory before we get to his marriage and divorces sure. ride. The, the further adventures of Corey Feldman. It is no secret that Corey Feldman has struggled with drug addiction. He first smoked marijuana with River Phoenix when they were filming Stand By Me. By the time that Feldman was filming The Lost Boys, he was doing cocaine. Mm. In fact, director Joel Schumacher almost fired him from that movie because of his behavior. And if memory serves,
0: Joel Schumacher had some experience with this because I think he was instrumental in Demi Moore, another alum, um, getting sober when she was in St. Almost Fire,
1: uh, probably a couple years earlier. Yes, all right around the same time. Joel Schumacher, good guy. Yeah. You want to know who gave Joel Schumacher his big break in movies? I'm gonna I'm gonna guess, but go ahead. Dominic Dunn. Yeah, that was I what I know. was gonna guess. We're gonna come back around to that story. Really, everything is a trashy spider web. Back to Corey here. <sighs> it's not going great. During this time where he's increasing uh drug use, Corey becomes good friends with comedian Sam Kinnison. And the two of them love to go on all night cocaine binges. <sighs> Corey then progressed to heroin. He had been cooking it and snorting it, but shoots heroin with a syringe for the first time while in rehab. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Fellman shot up heroin for the first time with Jane's Addiction guitarist Dave Navarro Hmm. and the band's singer, Perry Farrell, who was visiting his girlfriend in that same rehab facility. So that was going well. In 1989, while filming The Burbs with Tom Hanks and Carrie Fisher, it is clear to everyone that Corey Feldman has a serious drug problem. Previous Trashy Divorces alum and heroin goddess of my heart, Carrie Fisher, takes Corey Feldman aside in 1989. And Carrie Fisher would Mm -hmm. know. She knows, yeah. She takes him aside and she says, please listen to me. You are such a talented actor. But if you keep going down this road, you're going to throw it all away. You've got to stop before it's too late. Corey Feldman does not listen. Mm. Corey Feldman will continue to abuse drugs. And this advice from Carrie Fisher in 1989 comes a year into Corey's first marriage. And his drug use will become quite a complication for the couple Let's take another break, hear from our sponsors, and when we come back, it is to Corey Feldman's marriages and divorces, one of those making its way into our headlines now. Yes, back in a minute. We are back for the marriages and divorces of Corey Feldman. Three up that we got to talk about. Let's talk about Corey's first marriage. Corey Feldman meets fellow actress Vanessa Marceal in late 1988. Corey convinces her to be his girlfriend. He invites her to go to Australia to promote his new album with him. Okay, but a trip to Australia, come on. Who's going to say no to that? Well, his plan worked, and the two were a couple by the end of the trip, and after two months of dating, they decide to get married. Like you do. Oh, always destined for success. Well, more problematically, Vanessa did not know that her new husband had started doing heroin and that it would soon become a major problem. In choreography, Feldman writes, Back when the bad press started, I had signed up to do a Disney movie. This film is called Exile. It's loosely based on The Lord of the Flies, and it'll air on NBC's The Wonderful World of Disney series on Sunday nights. We'll be shooting on the deserted side of Catalina Island, and I already know I'm not going to be able to find drugs there. I've been doing heroin a few months, Vanessa doesn't even know about this yet, but my appetite has proved voracious. I'm already up to 10 balloons a day. In order to make it through the one week on location shoot, I figure I've got to detox. So I gather the strength to tell Vanessa that her young husband, if you can even call me that, has a secret heroin problem. She's livid. She feels duped, but she agrees to stick by me. I had just lied to Vanessa, let her get swept off her feet by a closet junkie. And I'd lied to the whole world by starring in IS and getting straight and preaching about the dangers of drugs. I was terrified of rehab, but I knew it was where I needed to be. Things don't improve between Corey and Vanessa here. Corey begins to get... Very jealous of Vanessa and accuses her of cheating. Mm. And by the end of shooting Exile, Corey was going into withdrawal and wrote that he felt, quote, like he was actually dying, unquote. Soon after, Corey auditions for the film Toy Soldiers with Will Wheaton, Keith Coogan, and Sean Astin. And Corey Feldman flubs the lines and doesn't get the part. Wow. Vanessa starts finding balloons of heroin shoved under the carpet and crack pipes half-burned in the trash. But things actually get worse from this point when Corey Feldman is arrested for buying over two grams of heroin. Vanessa bails him out of jail, but nothing really changes. Corey Feldman writes, Vanessa and I are a wreck, fighting constantly. So I escape back downtown. A bum approaches me asks me to rent him a hotel room. Amazingly, I do. In exchange, he shoots me up. Mm. By 1993, the marriage between Corey Feldman and Vanessa Marseille was over. Corey writes, Despite of all the drama, there's one thing I can say I did for Vanessa Marcil. I got her a meeting with one of my agents. By the close of 1992, she'd snagged the role of Brenda Barrett on General Hospital a role she would play off and on for the next 20 years hmm. and for which she would win a Daytime Emmy. She's also starred on Beverly Hills 90210, NBC's Las Vegas, and was named one of People Magazine's 50 Most Beautiful People. She has done well for herself, and I wish her the best. Sounds like he wants to take a little credit for that. Uh, Definitely, yeah, taking a little credit. Okay. Surprisingly or not, maybe Vanessa Merciel has a very different take on you their think? marriage. In 1999, she'll tell Entertainment Weekly that the marriage was, quote, actually a joke we played on our friends. We were messed up kids, you know. Now that I'm in the public eye, it's turned into this whole wrong rumor. To say that we were really married is not completely true. Unquote. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, come on. Since then, she's admitted that the two were actually married, but... Perhaps it was not a well-thought-out decision. It does not sound like it was. (laughs) In 2003, Vanessa tells Soap Opera Digest that they had married on a whim and that she actually kept the marriage hidden from her parents for almost a year. Wow. Vanessa says, We were kids. I was 18. It was puppy love. And we thought it would be fun to fly to Las Vegas at 3 o'clock in the morning and get married. And hopefully you only do that one time. So... There is marriage number one, over and out. Time for marriage number two, this time to Susie Sprague. In January 2002, Corey Feldman meets actress and model Susie Sprague in a nightclub where she is celebrating her 19th birthday. So already
0: everything is in place for a good, happy future. Well, Corey, at this time would be, if my
1: math is correct, 31 Is this an all-ages nightclub, I'm guessing? (laughs) I'm not sure. Feldman will write in choreography. (laughs) The big one-nine. Okay. Susie Sprague and I slept together that very night, and within days I'd told her everything about my life, everything about the abuse, the drugs, the scandals, and the recoveries. We fell in love quickly. With Susie, there was no fighting, no bullshit, no jealousy, no lying, no cheating, and no drama. We were just happy every single day. I recognized it as the start of a new kind of life. The couple gets married in October 2002, just nine months after they meet. Well, that's like almost, what, quadruple? Quintuple? uh. (laughs) Okay. This isn't your run-of-the-mill wedding, though. It takes place on the set of VH1's The Surreal Life. Mm. This wedding with Corey and Susie was officiated by a rabbi. And also, M.C. Hammer.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Tell me more. Corey Feldman was filming this season... Is, this is why we make this podcast, Alicia. <laughs> uh, Corey was filming season one of the show at the time, along with Gabrielle Carteris, M.C. Hammer, Emmanuel Lewis, Jerry Manthe, Vince Neal, and Brandy Roderick. Mindy Cohn, who Natalie from The Facts of Life Had been scheduled to be on the show, but probably very wisely backed the hell out before filming began. Corey and Susie's son was born in August of 2004. The couple keeps the kid naturally out of the spotlight, and they don't encourage him to go into the entertainment industry at all. Corey Feldman credits his son with helping him break out of his depression. Telling people in 2007, whereas I used to get depressed or neurotic or dwell on things, I see my son's bright eyes and smile in the morning, and suddenly I don't feel like I'm depressed anymore. There's nothing to be depressed about when you've got that. Hey, can I ask, is he clean by this point? It is fair to say by this point, Corey Feldman in the story is clean. Okay. He did enter rehab. Late 1990 was in almost a year, which, ugh, mm-hmm. good on him. Yeah, for sure. Really, really good on him. Corey and Susie do appear on a reality show with Corey Haim called The Two Corys. This airs on A&E from 2007 to 2008. And in this show, Corey Haim moves in with Corey Feldman and his wife. Corey Haim and Susie argue a lot, which causes tension in the home. This sounds like a just terrible premise. And Corey Haim, at this point, Corey Feldman has gotten clean. Corey Haim is struggling with his addiction issues on the show, and the couple are trying to help him with that. Okay. In one episode, Corey Feldman enlists Polly Shore and Todd Bridges for assistance with Corey Haim's addiction. In another episode... Susie poses for Playboy. In another episode, Corey Feldman gets liposuction. So, thankfully the child was not involved at all in the reality show. When questioned about the decision not to show their son, Corey Feldman said, Susie and my feelings are that we want to keep him as far away from the entertainment business as possible, certainly until he's old enough to make those decisions for himself. It is in October 2009 that Susie filed for divorce, citing... Irreconcilable differences. You got it. Too much reality TV show stuff. When the divorce filing was made public, Corey Feldman's representative released the following statement. Corey is deeply hurt and saddened by this unexpected change in their relationship and has done nothing to contribute to the demise of the marriage. Hmm. (laughs) It will take five years. Wow. Five years for Susie and Corey to finalize their divorce. Ultimately, Corey Feldman was ordered to pay just $750 a month in child support. Susie had to agree to stop using Feldman as her last name and return to her maiden name of Sprague. Can I just say, though,
0: child support is typically a percentage of your income. And this really indicates that Corey Feldman is not making a lot of money at this point.
1: Well, right. His money was taken by his parents by the time he emancipates himself at 14. He's got 40,000 bucks. He will rebuild part of that fortune. But again, yay for having a kid. I mean, Corey's mom gave him diet pills as a child to keep his weight down. Mm. I mean, his dad is a member of the strawberry alarm clock. Like, Whoa, you really are excited that Corey has made it to where Corey's made it to. And now we get to the section of the story where we talk about Corey's angels. Oh, no. Because this is what, like, I don't know if he's in on the joke or if he's on a, I'm, it could go either way. In 2016. So this is not that long ago. Corey Feldman, dressed like Michael Jackson reveals on the today show his new band that's called cory's angels send me an angel cory's promoting his new album angelic to the core the, With the numeral, numeral two, two. you mm-hmm. got it cool cool Now, Corey Feldman's all-female band were scantily clad. Were they? uh Uh-huh. And were furry halos and angel wings. Okay. This performance, if you really want to see something, we'll add the link in our show notes. Gonna put that in the show notes. Okay, cool. I'll check it out when I write the website. (laughs) Gonna say that performance was odd, to say the least. And doesn't really get very positive responses from the public. Afterward, the video of the performance goes viral Mm. and is uh, poked a little fun of endlessly. But see, performing his music is only part of Corey Feldman's plan for the Corey's Angel Empire. He has a whole business plan. The music is one part. Sure. Angelic to the core. Mm -hmm. But the other part of this Corey's Angels Empire It is. Corey Feldman promises that his Corey's Angels parties would help men get the chance to meet with, quote, hundreds of lingerie models, unquote, at exclusive events.
0: I mean, it's not the worst business plan I've ever heard. It's just one of the more
1: disgusting ones. The Corey's Angels website includes the statement... Corey, aside from his lifelong career as an entertainer, has also been known to be surrounded by droves of gorgeous women. Now, just hold on to your hats. Of uh, his angels, Corey says, I like helping them. In fact, Corey goes on to say he created Corey's angels to, quote, help girls who were kind of lost and needed help to find their way, unquote. He's a giver. Vice called Corey's Angels. Corey's version of the Playboy Playmates, mm-hmm. a gang of handpicked babes who constantly surround him.
0: And what did his mother do for a living before he was born? She,
1: Yeah, it was a Playboy bunny. So Hollywood Reporter will ask Corey Feldman about this. And he said the whole experience of the Today Show performance was stressful. Hollywood Reporter interviewer then says, But ultimately, the goal of your appearance on the Today Show was to get attention for the record which you've done, so it has to be a good thing. And Feldman responds, Absolutely. I think it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you know, I was told last night 13.5 million people have watched the video after the initial appearance, so that's pretty astronomical. I don't think I could have ever dreamt in my wildest dreams that We'd have that kind of a reception. At the end of the day, that's what we're trying to push, is the message.
0: Do you think the message was conveyed? Well, the interview gets weirder. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because this remaining interview and subsequent interviews with other media outlets about Corey's Angels were bizarre at a minimum. Hollywood Reporter. Queries on. Mm. Tell me more about the Angels. Who are those women specifically? You've sort of intimated they were homeless or in trouble, and you saved them? Feldman responds, No, 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 no. I never indicated that they were homeless, although we have worked with girls who were, you know, I won't say homeless, but certainly in desperate circumstances and looking for a way out. I mean, this world is a very cruel place sometimes, and when you're a beautiful woman, if you're an artist and then you turn 18... They pack their bags and they have their dreams of the big city. And then they get eaten up after a month or two with all the predators out here and people that want to take advantage of them. I mean, unfortunately, that's the game, you know, Hollywood Reporter. I see there's a contract that you make Corey's Angels sign. The contract says they have to promise to maintain their weight and they have to eat a meat-free diet. Do you see why I went into the backstory here? Mm -hmm, Like it's mm -hmm. okay. Ooh, Feldman says, well, I mean, yeah, there are certain rules that we have. That's what they base that contract on. The rule is if you have an issue with your weight and that's something you're concerned with and that's something that you want our help with, then we'll help you. We can advise you. And our plan is don't eat meat, don't drink alcohol. That's a great way to get your weight down because we know this. So where do these parties where they
0: can meet... Men who pay for the pleasure of meeting them
1: come in. Hang tight. Okay. Because the Hollywood Reporter, fearless here, he's got... Excellent. They have some more questions. Respect. Do the women all live with you in your house? Fair question. Corey Feldman. No, no. I mean, sometimes they do.
0: Oh, my God. Because,
1: again, like I said, we've worked with girls who are literally down and out, who, who have is, nothing.
0: Who is we? I mean, does he have, like, a psychologist on staff who to help? I
1: don't know. Corey Feldman continues. They'll be like, I have nothing. I need a place to stay. I need wardrobe. I need help with makeup. I mean, if I'm going to go out and be at red carpet events, I need help because I have nothing. So we'll say, hey, look, it's okay. You can come and stay here. That's cool. We'll help you out, but all we ask is that you're loyal. So our whole model was like, look, at the same time I was doing this, I was going to the Playboy Mansion on a regular basis. I was very close with Hef. I was very close with the Playboy family, and to me, that was just normal because it was family, and that was the way I viewed it, you know? I was up there literally every Sunday watching movies with Hef and Crystal and all of his girlfriends, so... Basically, I was raised at the Playboy Mansion.
0: Yeah, this is not getting less weird as he continues.
1: Feldman assured the reporter that the angels quote-unquote don't have to sleep with him. (sighs) Well, that's good. Purely optional. (sighs) Corey is then asked how he felt about the way the public responded to his band and their performance. He said that he had received the following advice. When KISS first started, when Eminem first started, when Nirvana first started, they all got hate. People were turning them off at the radio stations. People were walking off dance floors at the clubs because it didn't make sense to them at that time. But those all became amazing legends, so just think of it that way.
0: Yeah, I bet people were walking off the dance floors at the clubs when Nirvana came on. What? (laughs) What is he talking about?
1: You don't have to sleep
0: with them, though. Putting out bops.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about now that we are first marriage up and done and second marriage up and done. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about Corey's third wife currently making headlines Mm -hmm. these days. Corey met Courtney Ann Mitchell at a party at the Playboy Mansion Mm. shortly after she posed for Playboy in 2011. Courtney Ann Mitchell was one of Corey's angels. And the two do begin dating in 2012. Corey proposes to Courtney in 2016 in Palm Springs after being together about four years. Mm -hmm. So that took longer than the first two. Absolutely. Corey Feldman tells People Magazine that they quickly got engaged and married over concerns that Courtney would be deported. To... Well, she's Canadian, quote, Okay. Um, she's Canadian with Trump coming in. We didn't want to risk being separated by the new immigration laws. Back to the mean streets of Vancouver. <laughs> Unquote, yes. In a later interview with People, Corey Feldman talked about his decision to propose to Courtney. I was, of course, a bit nervous, as any man will admit. You never truly know what a woman is thinking. So as much as I assumed she would be happy and say yes, there's... Always that insecure part of my brain that regresses immediately to my childhood and thought, maybe not. She was very surprised, excited, and started crying. She was surprised because we had both been so anti-marriage since we met. This will be Corey's second Las Vegas wedding. Mm. They get married, Courtney and Corey do, in 2016 at the Fizz Champagne Lounge mm. at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Excellent. Excellent. On her Instagram bio, Courtney Ann Mitchell lists several professional roles she performs, including, quote, DJ, musician, vocalist and health coach focused on plant-based diets unquote. Well
0: I guess if contractually she's not allowed to eat meat. Do you think she's still under contract when they marry? is that does that negate the contractual
1: Real is that questions a whole right? contract lot to think about here. A lot to unpack. Well, I will tell you during their marriage, the couple does not shy away from the spotlight. Again, one of the reasons for this podcast in general. Let me tell you about the time that Corey and Courtney Ann appeared on Celebrity Wife Swap oh, in God. 2015. Courtney went to live with comedian Tommy Davidson, while Tommy Davidson's l- wife lived with Corey Feldman. She claimed that their normal routine consisted of wearing only pajamas and lingerie all day, and eating a diet of just fruit. Yeah, that's cool. Corey and Courtney Ann also appear on *Marriage Boot Camp: Reality Stars Family Edition* in 2019. Now, perhaps Corey Feldman doesn't seem like an ideal husband to many people. Well. I mean, wearing only pajamas and lingerie all day, I mean, pajamas are fine. Pajamas are not lingerie, totally different thing. After a diet of just fruit, I may want some bacon or some bread at some point. But maybe Corey's not the ideal husband to a lot of folks. Sure. But Courtney seemed to really be happy in their marriage. In November 2022, just this past year, Courtney posted the following message in order to honor their wedding anniversary. Thank you for always having my back. I love you. Happy wedding anniversary. Wishing today will be a day of joy and enjoyment for us. Hmm. Of course, there are many other posts and loving messages throughout their years together. And just recently, Courtney Ann Mitchell shared a little selfie of her and Feldman Appearing happy and welcoming in the new year in 2023, the couple also tours with Feldman's latest musical venture, Love Retours 23. But so the, did the Angels thing not not take
0: off in the end? Oh, Corey's Angels is still a thing. They're oh. all on tour together. Oh, I see. Okay, so that's just the name of the tour. Yeah, Love it's,
1: Love it's, Retours. It's a 23. Okay.
0: Corey's Angels Love Retours. Okay.
1: I'm assuming the angels are on it. Maybe it's just Corey Feldman, perhaps. But, but, in August 2023, Mm -hmm. this month month. that we're in right now, Mm -hmm. Corey Feldman announced that he was separating from his wife after seven years of marriage. And why is that? Did he he say why? Courtney Ann has Mm. been suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome, and that appears to be the leading cause of the rift between the couple. Corey Feldman said is, quote, with great sadness that they're separating after many wonderful years together. And if that's where Corey Feldman ended it, unquote, that would be fine. But Corey Feldman did not end it there. Mm -hmm. Corey Feldman's statement goes on to read, We have been through so much together and still have much love and respect for each other. No one is to blame. This is a case of life becoming really hard. Courtney dealing with health issues. Oh, God. And two people who've grown apart and now find themselves at a crossroads. That, I, mm, I wish he'd had
0: someone in his life who could read that statement before he published it. and Just be like, bro, maybe just stick with the grown apart. Leave Like, why? Why blame your wife's health
1: issues? Uh, You don't, that's not a good look. That's not a good look. Uh Uh-uh. Courtney Mitchell released a separate statement saying that she, quote, loves him dearly and always will love him, and that her recent health struggles have taken a massive toll on me and my family. Hey, folks, for those interested in seeing Corey Feldman perform, that new Love Retours 23 tour is starting September 2023. Wow. Get your tickets now. Sure. I'm certain it'll be something to see. Uh, it looks like on this Love Retours 23 tour. Is, is that the one where the poster mentions that there will be food trucks? Yes. But do they only sell fruit? I don't know. <laughs> fruit trucks. <laughs> the, the tour is starting in California and Colorado. So you can go with your little internet fingers right now to net slash tour details to get all the information for the tour. Of Lovery Tours coming to your area if you don't want to miss out. To be clear, Lovery Tours and Corey Feldman are not sponsors of this episode. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you really do have to have some empathy and sympathy for everything he endures mm-hmm. as a kid. Wow. Choices as an adult. There was a little bit of everything in that story. Mm-hmm. As trash cans go, I don't know. I think they all have fuzzy halos. They all have some wings. Yeah. Angel's wings. Dressed in lingerie. Some trash cans dressed up in lingerie with... Oh, filled with fruit. Oh, yeah. Send me some angel trash cans filled with fruit. Sure. Halos and wings. That... Wow. Wow.
0: Well, I feel like I'm going to need to process that for quite some time.
1: There was a lot in was that a lot. story. Super a lot. Yeah. Thanks for that. I, uh, perhaps. <laughs> Stacy. thanks for hanging out for wow. that one. Trash Pandas, thanks for coming back for this episode.
0: Yeah, not a real sickness and in health guy. I don't know what vows they opted for, but just leave it at we've grown apart. That's all you have to do. That is all you have to say. End scene. That's, that's A- it. Everyone knows you're not going to tell us what's wrong.
1: Although I guess he did. No, he 100% did. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, that's Corey Feldman. Whew. Whew is right. Thank you, Trash Pandas, for joining us today for this episode of Marital Misadventure. If you need more Trashy Divorces in the meantime, please check out patreon.com slash divorces. Two bucks a month will get you every episode ad-free. A few more bucks will get you extra bonus episodes. Sure. Over there, you did your bonus divorce just this Just week. did a pirate story. Arr! Grace O'Malley, the mm-hmm. lady pirate of Ireland. That one was a lot of fun. Don't forget, if you're looking for some other free podcast listening to fill in your week of podcast joy, Trashy Royals releases mm-hmm. every Thursday, and Done and Done releases on Mondays. Stacy, you're going to come back midweek with a whole new, brand new Trashy Divorces saga. Yep. Stinky dumpster fire or something. Friends, until then, thank you for tuning in, telling your friends, recommending us to your fellow podcast enthusiasts, your kind emails, your ratings, reviews, and simply being kind of the best community ever to exist until we meet again, my darlings, keep your hands clean. Keep your hearts trashy, friends. Big love, everybody. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production, created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia, by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa
0: O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at Carbonmade.com, and our music is used with permission of Ratsy,